0: Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Our guest this time is Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running magazine. Esther joined the magazine as editor two years ago and oversaw its redesign and relaunch to become a more inclusive and positive champion for women who run. The result has been a 59% increase in readership and during the pandemic the title has thrived, winning awards for Esther and her team. I talked to Esther about her huge passion for the brand. You know,
1: I wake up every day excited about the content that we produce and the women that we support and the way in which we can kind of broadcast the benefits of fitness for for, you know, women's physical and mental health. Like we were just saying, I think that's just it's just incredible. It feels I mean, it does feel like a massive responsibility, um, but just such a huge privilege. I don't know many people who are given the chance to work on a magazine where it's you know,
0: it speaks to them in the way that women's running speaks to me. She shared some of the secrets of producing an award-winning magazine brand, including taking a multi-channel
1: approach. And having those different voices, having those different channels um, is a fantastic way of being able to speak to, for instance, younger runners on Instagram, slightly older runners on Facebook, um, and kind of a mix of both on the podcast. Conducting lots of readership surveys. We know our audience really well. And the reason why we know our audience really well is that we um we irritate them regularly by sending out surveys and um and these surveys give us such vital information and having a brilliant team you know women's running is an iceberg <laughs> um we have so much going on underneath yeah that award was absolutely lovely i'm looking at it right now actually and it's it's just testament to the strength of 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 our team
0: We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Advantage CS, a leading global provider of subscription and membership management software. Capabilities include marketing, sales, payments, and customer relationship software for publishers, membership associations, and information providers. For more information, go to advantagecs.com. Esther Newman is the editor of Women's Running magazine, which has gone from strength to strength since it was bought by Bath-based Anthem Publishing in 2018, increasing its readership and winning awards. Esther, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Thanks for having me. So you became editor of Women's Running two years ago, I believe, in January 2019. Yeah, that's right. What was your mission statement when you took on the job?
1: oh wow! um <laughs> I'm not sure I had a mission statement as such it was I was in a really, really lucky position because um to be honest, initially, I was hired freelance just for um the refresh and the rebrand of it um and I was really lucky because basically they they kept me on they asked me to stay on and and become a, a the editor permanently um so I was completely delighted because, to be honest, it was kind of love at first sight and I I was desperate to stay on. So, I mean, when I when I first started, we we, it needed it needed a redesign. It was crying out for it. Um, So I I did that with kind of a a few central pillars in mind. We needed to increase diversity um, in terms of content and imagery. Um, We needed to remove anything to do with weight loss immediately. Um, And I wanted to broaden its demographic. I I did want to increase the readership, obviously, um, and increase the audience. Um, And I felt that it was missing out on the kind of younger beginner audience. Um, It just felt it felt like it was an important mouthpiece. It is an important mouthpiece. So, you know, alongside talking about fitness, we, we could also be talking about women's health, you know, both physical and mental. And I think it's impossible to do that without speaking about women's politics, even if the women that we're talking about wouldn't classify it as such. Um, I discovered um, very quickly that there was so much that we needed to highlight in the world of women's running, kind of huge inequality still, um, disparity in terms of the types of content that's covered when it comes to running. Um, and, you know, there are still unequal distances in cross-country running, for instance, which is utterly ridiculous. I mean, you, you wouldn't have women running 15-mile marathons while men ran 26-mile ones. I mean, not now. Um, but this this is just like, one of the points that still needs arguing because so many runners, in fact, you know, so many women cross country runners are opposed to change here because they don't understand the argument and they don't want to run longer distances, um, which isn't the point. We've never argued that women should run longer distances. We suggest that both distances are open to entry from men and women. I mean, this is just what, like one thing, but you can see um, it's, it's easy to get hot under the colour um, about issues that affect women and women runners. There's there feels like there's so much work to do and so much information to understand um and so many women to talk to.
0: Well, we'll we'll come on to some of those subjects in a bit more depth. Um but first I wanted to ask about you. Um you've been a magazine journalist for over twenty years. Can you tell us a bit more about your journey to where you are now? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Um well I've been living in Bath since I
1: um, came here to go to university so um it was a natural step for me 20 years ago to go straight to future publishing um which is kind of in the late 90s um and I worked there um on t3 that was my first magazine as a production assistant and those were sort of the the glory days of old future publishing It was having an, another sort of set of glory days now but yes, um, yeah <laughs> but back then it was a sort of the the gaming days of it um uh, there was kind of these sort of it, it just felt like a big a big party it felt like extension of university days um because it you know it was around the time it floated on the stock market and um the playstation official playstation magazine was outselling fhm um and it was yeah it was growing fast and things like that so it, it was it was really easy for me to kind of hop about from magazine to magazine so um that's what i did um kind of gradually working my way up um and i kind of, i worked my back Ground is mostly in production, um, which I think is—I mean, I'm biased, but I think that's um, a great start for an editor because you—you know—in terms of quality and management, um, I think it's a real kind of bedrock to editorship. Um, and so I, yeah, I worked um, on lots of magazines there. Um, eventually, ended up in their customer publishing agency, which is now called Fusion, um, editing. Uh, a number of things there for, for brands like BT and PC World, which was, um, which was brilliant, much more fun perhaps than it sounds. Um, loads of hard work, but there was definitely something in having that kind of double readership, having um, both a client and the reader. Um, and that really hones your skill as an editor, I think. Um, so I moved there um, from there to, I was operations director there for a bit. Um, and then there was a bit of a hiatus because of kids um, so that was about nine years ago when I, when I eventually left. Um and I've worked in freelance and full time publishing roles since then. But I think um something I, I really wanted to say actually today was that it really does take a while to get your career back on track after taking time off to have kids, um or even just reducing your hours. I mean, this like women's running, this is my dream job and I've been incredibly lucky, but I think you know the fight to get recognised, the struggle to not feel guilty if you've got to leave to pick up kids. Um, you know that just the daily grind of kind of proving yourself worthy is is quite relentless. I think it's so hard for women who want to have kids. Um, men men just don't face this issue. No no male boss of mine with kids has ever had to deal with any kind of hiatus in their in their career. They just take a couple of weeks off to make tea and change nappies, and then it's straight back um whereas women we have to decide whether to like delay our careers or um or chuck a spanner in the works if they have kids later on like I did um so yeah I'm sorry I could go on about this no I I mean it's it's
0: (laughs) it's it's, it's absolutely true and it's a situation which I have been in and and I'm still in 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 many ways um so I completely identify I have um Three children so I do I do absolutely understand <laughs> um, and and it's you know it's not talked about enough I think I think you're it's great that you're bringing it up because it's not something we talk about very often yeah um what about the running side of things uh, were you always a runner um we presumably you ran before you took this job on and and I noticed from your podcast that you're now coaching other runners so was that something that was there beforehand
1: yeah I've I've always been a runner, and this is thanks to my parents. Um, My dad was always a a massively keen runner. Um, In fact, he entered the London Marathon in the first year that it was launched, um, but never ran it due to injury. And in fact, that went to my mum. So about three years later, I think in 84, 85, she ran it. Um, So yeah, so they've both been runners, so they've both really influenced me greatly. Um, so I, I used to run with them much to kind of, you know, and people didn't run that much. I mean, there, there was a, a few sort of men with moustaches and short shorts back in the, kind of the early 80s. But there weren't that many kind of 10 year old girls um, <laughs> sort of plodding around streets. I was never fast. I was never a track runner. I was always slow. Um, so I, I did some running then and, and then b- took it back up again when I was at university. Again, just sort of ploddy running. Um, and then, you know, a few half marathons. I've I've never um I've never really been well I've never been fast I've never been out for PBs or anything like that I, it's just you know I, I think quite early on I realised what a benefit it was to my mental health um to just get outside to just go for a run just to have that sort of me time and I think that kind of running really resonates with the audience of women's running um and I think a lot of a lot of our audience run. Not to get incredible times and not to kind of beat other people, but to just sort of enjoy the time out there. And so I feel like even though I'm a very, very average runner, I think that I have there's a lot of commonality between me and our quite broad audience.
0: Well, I wanted to ask about that broad audience, because um, you say that women's running is for everyone from the superstar pro runners to the everyday plodders. And how do you manage the balancing act of catering to those different audiences?
1: Oh, it's really hard. Um, I'm, I'm not sure we manage every issue, but we really try. Um, I mean, we're lucky to have kind of quite a, a number of channels. And so we've, we have a different ways, we have the, all these different ways in which we can try and speak to, um, to these people. Um, I think there's, there's always a risk when you broaden the demographic that you're going to cut out some of the audience who previously would like have been like laser targeted. Um, but what I do is just I make sure that each issue of the magazine, which then translates into the website content, has something of value for a beginner, um, for a seasoned runner and also for the kind of more experienced runners um it came it was a, this huge relief to me I, I spoke to Sophie Power uh, a few months ago for the podcast um, and she's this incredible ultra runner um, and she's you know incredibly experienced she's she's really good um but she just mentioned that for instance she she was really interested in a recent feature we've done on muscles so that meant loads to me actually because if if anything it's the experience runners that are going to drop off at, at the other end and um, because they're less likely to need kind of our advice and support and things so um really our main focus has to be the beginners and the sort of middling lot the kind of me sort of people people mm. that kind of love running and, and just love to sort of find out more about it um so for for these sorts of women so it's so lovely that it's me as well you see because it feels like a almost a selfish endeavor um you know we can we can build a kind of a community feel um to, to our channels to to the magazine the site and social channels and the podcast um and our audience is kind of there obviously there's a lot of overlap but they're they're ever so slightly different in in each each channel um and and having those different voices having those different channels um is a fantastic way of being able to speak to, for instance, younger runners on Instagram, slightly older runners on Facebook, um, and kind of a mix of both on the podcast.
0: So can you just talk us through what those channels are? You've just mentioned some of them then, but how how do you see those channels working alongside one another?
1: Oh, right. Well, um, yeah, it's <laughs> they they do work really well together. It's um it's a I hate to say we close the circle, but I'm going to say we close the circle. Um, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. We we kind of we use the magazine basically as a sort of as a as a linchpin. Um, mm. It's you know it's the bedrock um, for, for from which everything else is kind of based off. Um, it, it and and from that we have um we have our our website um we which was relaunched at the beginning of the year and we have our social channels we've got instagram facebook twitter um and we have our podcast and um we also have email newsletters as well and we use those um we use those regularly to communicate um on an ed- editorial basis to our audience um and i guess the thing is, is 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 we we know our audience really well and the reason why we know our audience really well is that we um, we irritate them regularly by sending out surveys, and um, and these surveys give us such vital information. that we know precisely who listens to the podcast. We know who engages with us on our website, who who engages with us um, on on Instagram and Facebook, and and through the magazine. And it means that we can kind of micro adjust those channels to ensure that, for instance, I mean, we know that we have a younger audience on Instagram. So we we talk to them ever so slightly differently than the the slightly audience that we have, a uh, slightly older audience that we have on, on Facebook. Um and we kind of a lot of content goes across all channels. Um, that's for sure. But but what we can do is is we can, for instance, we can have much longer form interview pieces on the website and they can appear there first. Like, for instance, we you know, Sabrina Pace Humphries, we interviewed her first of all for the website. So Holly interviewed her that our digital editor um, got a really nice long piece with her and then as a result of that because we'd made the connection I wanted to have her on the podcast um, it also meant that we could have her in the magazine um, and then we would use our, our social channels to, to kind of nudge people in the direction of the website article and also the podcast um, and then we focus on it um, in one of our email newsletters as well to, to kind of contact uh, the people that are on that list to see if they could come into the podcast or to read the interview online so you know so everything kind of works together um I wouldn't say seamlessly there are some very obvious seams, I think but um but we 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 work together so that so that all the content is available in, in its kind of in its best format on on each channel
0: so what do you think makes women's running different from other women's health and fitness titles oh um
1: well it's better um (laughs) no maybe not um I
0: don't know I think
1: I think our our, like our our change of focus I think since we rebranded especially um like it's the way that we focus on the positive effects of, of a healthy lifestyle make us stand out as opposed to other brands focusing on the negative like we're not about the guilt that women's running we like we don't ask our audience to change their bodies And we don't present them with images of models. Um, We promote a healthy attitude to fitness and to food. Um, And we encourage our audience to do the same and to support each other to achieve whatever goal they want. I mean, Holly just launched our digital editor, just launched a digital campaign at um, the 12 Days of Christmas um, to, to kind of inspire and motivate our runners. And the first challenge of which was to have a mince pie after your run. Um, and that's kind of that's the sort of that's the ethos that we want. It's about kindness and support, and it, it's not about losing five pounds. You know, well, I was getting, why
0: why is it so important to you not to focus on losing weight?
1: <sighs> it's the women thing. <laughs> mm. um, it's it's going it's it's going to onto magazines now. It's going into supermarkets, looking at magazines, and 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 realizing that all those magazines were just spouting such kind of poisonous messaging for women mm. um I spent loads of time researching the market you know two years ago and I, it's just upsetting um and it, that's true of the sporting market as well as lifestyle um shan't name names but that kind of new year new you thing the cut five pounds of fat lose belly fat get firmer abs get beach body ready it was everywhere um, it was on absolutely every single magazine I looked at. Everything was trying to persuade women that they were somehow not perfect um, and that they needed to change. And I know that we are about fitness and health, but we're not telling people, we're not telling women that they look wrong. Um, like, and we sell a fraction of what those big running and fitness brands sell. But it's been really interesting to see how actually they have, after a little while, followed our lead and um, I mean I'm really glad they have because I don't I don't want women to have that sort of rubbish thrown at them every day it's it's bad enough as it is um but um but yeah it's been lovely to see how these big brands have picked up on some of the messaging that that we've been doing
0: and one thing that you have talked about a lot is the benefits for mental health of running um you had Bella Mackey on the cover talking about that um so so why is it important to you to talk about that aspect because because
1: runners invented mindfulness I mean it's 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 so important when um on one of our surveys we we asked our audience why they ran and I think it was something like 70 percent of them said that they either ran for their mental health or they ran for me time and I see those two things as 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 the same and because running for me time is is so important it's so important for your head and you know people run um you know they 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 discover that they can run in a group and that the kind of the social aspect is the thing that makes them feel brilliant people run on their own like i do and they they realize that the escape from day to day life is the thing that that kind of that that gives them a kind of a reset switch and it it's it's so vital for us i mean especially now i mean it always has been but especially now um and we know that there is you know that your mental and your physical health are intrinsically linked you know if you are if you if you nurture one then you'll be nurturing the other and um i think for for women for runners for, for all of us globally during the pandemic, but our mental health, you know,
0: it's never been more important to to support that. Well, when you were named Editor of the Year recently at the PPA Awards, the judges praised you for your holistic approach and your ability to see the full picture and also your willingness to take on wider issues. Um, I know it's a really hard question to answer about yourself, but what, what do you think makes you a good editor? <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. Um <laughs> I mean I, I was absolutely chuffed to bits with that award. I can't tell you how much I screamed when I got it. It was I, I just wasn't expecting it at all. Um and you know everyone else that was nominated were just, these, these just amazing people. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I think um I've been I've been fortunate to have been um under the editorship of of some really great editors um who have been massively inspiring. Um I was uh, in my first job when I was working on T3. My editor there was Paul Pettinger for a, um, a couple of years. And I mean, he actually went on to become one of the three founders of Anthem Publishing, along with John and Simon. So there's a really yeah. nice circle there, actually. Um, and the thing about Paul was that he was an absolutely brilliant manager. Like his leadership and, and kind of very gentle management was, I think, really underrated at Future at the time and i think people with like a passion for the subject they they tended to get promoted quite quickly but his kind of management style i think stood me in really good stead especially in future when at the time there wasn't really a brand that kind of spoke to me um and with women's running the thing that has inspired me there really is is simply the subject matter um it's kind of both those words that, that like the women and the running and to be able to manage a brand that i feel deeply passionate about but using that sort of management philosophy that was first taught to me by Paul. Um and also just, I mean, you know, I wake up every day excited about the content that we produce and the women that we support and the way in which we can kind of broadcast the benefits of fitness for for, you know, women's physical and mental health, like we were just saying. I think that's just it's just incredible. It feels I mean, it does feel like a massive responsibility, um, but just such a huge privilege. I don't know many people who are given the chance to work on a magazine where it's you know it speaks to them in the way that women's running speaks to me
0: it's been a year of awards because you uh women's running was also named magazine of the year at the um, ace awards uh and one of the things that the judges pointed out there was that you've been through a relaunch and a redesign you've increased the cover price and you've still managed to increase your readership by 59 percent um in the past couple of years um so, what's your secret?
1: <laughs> I I don't think that's a secret. That's the team. I think yeah. it's um, you know, women's running is is it's an iceberg. <laughs> um, we have so much going on underneath. Um, and, it, and it's it yeah, that award was absolutely lovely. I'm looking at it right now actually, and it's it's just testament to the strength of 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 our team. Um, you know, Anthem is is a small company, but with a really dedicated and passionate group of people there um, we've got um, you know a CEO and MD and John Assai who, who support the brand wholeheartedly um, and our head of marketing Verity she works with me um, on like really creative ways to encourage our audience to engage with us um, then there's the art ed Alex um, who is sort of like a kind of swan-like powerhouse I'm not sure he did appreciate that. Description, but like he creates these amazing magazines. Our covers just get better and better and better month after month. Um, But he does that also while working across other brands. Um, And there's Meg, uh, our ad executive, who I mean, like she not only kept us afloat during the pandemic, but but basically she brought in some incredible commercial partnerships during that time too. When when brands weren't spending money, she got brands to spend money. Um, And I work closely with Tina, who's the fitness editor, she manages the frankly terrifying review section. Um, and she's a run coach, so she underpins all of our content with her, her knowledge and experience. Um, then there's Rachel. She subs the mag. who is equally passionate about running and words, which is the best kind of combination, I think. Um, and Holly, our digital editor, and she, she lives and breathes women's running. We've been really lucky to find her. Um, like she's the mastermind behind all of our digital and social content. Um, and she, I've roped her into the podcast as well recently, too. So it, it's not a secret. Um, at all there's there's no secret formula it's just good people who are passionate about the subject matter Um, and we we just we put our heart and soul into women's running which I think um, is pretty obvious.
0: You've mentioned the pandemic um, and um, I, I get the impression that it's been a mixed year because obviously running is one of the things that many women have turned to during this time to keep us sane so in some ways um it, it has probably been good for business, but at the same time all magazines, all media brands uh were were hit with that um fall in advertising. Has it how has it affected you and has it prompted you to rethink your strategy in any way?
1: Yeah, great question. I I mean it's been grim. Um it's been grim for everyone. Um but, you know, I mean I yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, more people were out running. But no one was running to the supermarket to kind of leisurely browse the magazine aisle so um yeah, newsstand bombed a bit um I think that's been reflected globally, so um we kind of we we reacted as quickly as we possibly could um and we i mean we'd already been making inroads into concentrating our efforts into our digital offering um because people just you know leapt online obviously um and we just we just brought that forward so you know, our audience is incredibly engaged on Facebook and Instagram. So we just, we just, we just but, you know, we worked like the clappers to keep them informed, um, especially on, on things that might not seem as though they're important to the, you know, the wider population during a pandemic, but things like race cancellations, that was quite high on our list um, and general kind of information about health and immunity, you know. Um, so we we saw some um, some really big spikes online with some of that content. Um, and we used those spikes. We sort of carried that wave really um, to keep our community engaged with us as a brand. Um, and we've continued to do that after the first lockdown. Um, we sort of brainstorm daily, really, to figure out ways in which we can kind of keep that core audience happy, and to figure out ways we can kind of harness new runners to our community um, that are kind of that sit outside of um, a, any kind of reliance on on newsstand. So we've had to be kind of quite agile. Um, it might not feel like it at the time but but sort of launching things like like virtual races um launching the podcast um interviewing race directors at a moment's notice um you know and then, then then kind of writing up those sorts of interviews and popping them up online really really quickly um to, to kind of um satiate that sort of appetite for information um so it's been it's been really hectic but we've learned so much about the industry and our audience at the same time so it's been it's been a, a, a tough but good learning curve.
0: This has also been the year of Black Lives Matter and you've been at the forefront of tackling diversity in the world of running. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, um, well, it, that's, been, that's been quite deliberate. Um, it's, when we started the redesign two years ago, it was It was the first pillar that I created and stood by i had I had several things um that i I wanted to do um I knew that women's running had a voice and that it was important to use that carefully and I also knew it could be really powerful. I think it's fundamentally important for the imagery and the content that we produce to represent the women that we want to encourage to run um, we just you just need to look back at running magazines produced over the last ten years, and what you see essentially is a whitewash. Um, I've spoken to so many runners, particularly over the past year. And when I've asked why there are more white women running than black women, for instance, um, the answer tends to be exactly the same. Black women can't be what they can't see. So, I mean, simply by including more imagery of BAME women in the magazine and and by seeking out interesting interviewees, by ensuring that our covers are real women and not models, we're just hoping to redress the balance just a bit. i mean you know our our motives are that we want to encourage all women to run so while you know like well a few photos here and there isn't exactly revolutionary it's a start um and our ambition is to keep on pushing that message to keep on promoting the talent that we see and to keep on representing women everywhere
0: great great um in May, you launched your podcast, um, uh, and I've been uh, listening to that. It's a great listen. What was the thinking behind it, and how has that evolved since you started out?
1: Oh, yeah, this is my little baby. Um, <laughs> well, uh, basically, it's, it's, it's simple, really. I, I like listening to podcasts and audiobooks when I, when I run, um, so I'd been thinking about it for a while. Um, podcasting is, is just such a brilliant medium like you're you're never going to have the same level of audience as something like our website well not not on their site you're adam buxton but what you get is this incredibly engaged audience people who stay with you for up to an hour at a time it's it's so intimate and it's so engaged um we we launched it on a shoestring in may um and my idea then was to have interviews with women runners that we love it was as simple as that really um i'd heard podcasts with brilliant runners, but there are a lot of men being interviewed and they weren't long enough. Um 20 or 30 minutes isn't enough to really get under the skin of the interviewees as far as I'm concerned. And it's just not enough for a long weekend run either. I wanted it to be long enough for that kind of 10K. Um so I w- yeah, just wanted to do both those things really. So um I ended up just interviewing just amazing women. It's brilliant. Again, another selfish endeavor. I get I get to speak to these amazing women. Um my hero is basically people like Anna McNuff, Sophie Power, Susie Chan, Sabrina Pace Humphreys, for instance. Um, I've been so lucky to have this opportunity to, to talk to them, um, and uh, now, I mean, we're changing it up a little bit. We're keeping those interviews because they're brilliant, and um, if I say so myself, and important, and um, but now we've brought in a bit of a side hustle, which is the women's running workshop, and I'm doing that with Holly, our digital editor, and that's a more of a practical-based. Uh, podcast where we offer practical tips and training advice for beginners and it's only just launched the second one's coming up um just coming up now um but it's become really popular really quickly so I think that speaks volumes for um our audience wanting to have that kind of those insider tips and kind of training knowledge
0: and are there any do's and don'ts which you would pass on to any other publishers considering launching a podcast
1: um well I think the key do is just do it um it's it's just so much easier than you'd think getting to grips with it um I think I mean there are a few helpful things I mean get yourself a good mic um, but you know and yeah make sure <laughs> make sure you're not having any home improvements done at the same time as recording a podcast <laughs> <laughs> I, I've learned to my cost um, and know your audience um like we we we've just flung it out there to begin with um and we were thrilled with um, the numbers of downloads that we got initially. But what we did then is what we always do, we we surveyed them. Um we asked them after a few months a few questions to find out what they thought of it and what they wanted. Um, and that's how the workshop, the women's running workshop has has born. Um because um we you know we wanted to find out what they wanted and that's what they wanted. So we're giving them, you know, what they asked for. Um and commercially it's been really interesting as well. I I didn't realise quite how much brands would would enjoy being a part of it as well I, I didn't have a clue they'd be interested in working with us especially because you know especially when we when you launch it was it was quite small but they love the medium because they realize there's they realize that the audience is is tiny well not, you know comparatively tiny it's quite small but they're so hyper engaged um so commercial messages in podcasts become like much more meaningful so I would I would say do approach brands immediately
0: Did they approach you or have you been approaching them? Have you had people coming to you saying, we'd like to sponsor your podcasts?
1: We've had both, which is lovely. Mm. Um, You know, to begin with, it was us approaching them and now it's them approaching us, which I guess is the right way round.
0: Absolutely. And I just wanted to ask a little bit more about those surveys because you've mentioned them several times. Are they done in-house? Do you have external people doing the surveys? And, And then how do you... Take that information and feed it back into uh, the magazine.
1: Yeah, we, we do these in house. Um, we um, we do do them fairly regularly. It's sort of we do uh, a national big survey once a year, um, and that's probably our biggest one. Um, we 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 put that out over kind of social channels and on our website, and we kind of we we might even advertise it in the in the magazine. Um, we we ask them everything we ask them how they run where they run what they wear we ask them how they feel about safety we ask them if they've been heckled we ask them if um if they've changed the way that they run we ask them what distances they run what races they run how much money they spend on running um all these questions and it it influences the content that we produce for them for sure, because we also ask them lots of demographic questions. Um, But it also helps us teach the brands and the industry what runners want um, and what they're prepared to do. So we're able to go back to the industry, like we did at the beginning of this year, actually. We went to the National Running Show in January and we were able to then explain to the industry that runners were interested in 10k races and half marathon races more so than marathons that they that they were actually spending probably four times as much money as we thought that they were were spending Um, and that there were particular brands shoe brands and clothing brands that they were more interested in than others which obviously has a huge impact on on the industry that we work with Um, so all of that is it's so important and it kind of it underpins our authority I think um within within the running industry within the within the fitness space um and we also I mean alongside the kind of those big we do those kind of big surveys which I think are are hugely important we also do smaller ones to kind of just grasp an appetite of of what runners want what they you know what they think of the podcast what they think of the magazine what they think of the website um because we want to make sure that our content reflects who they are rather than kind of forces them into a corner you know and and tells them what they should be um yeah. you know we want we want it to be a conversation not um, a dictatorship
0: we've already talked about social media um uh, and your different channels but i just wanted to come back to that and and ask whether you have an overall social media strategy yeah we yes we'd, we
1: do um i mean i the the magazine is our, is is the bedrock as as i've said before but the um like the website and the social channels that's kind of really where the excitement is so what we realized quite early on is that there, while there is an overlap and obvious overlap between all those audiences they're actually really distinct um and so what's worked to our benefit is is acknowledging that distinction um so um as with most people's audiences here, um our Facebook audience is ever so slightly older on than our Instagram audience, so we need to strategize there very carefully to ensure that the content is appropriate on that channel. Um, and you know, so so we we kind of we 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 what we want to do is to ensure that everything that we put out speaks to the relevant audience, um, and we also want to ensure that what we're doing is to open up conversations with our audience. So we strategize about that to make sure that they're they're talking back to us and talking amongst themselves. And um, because we want to promote a community feel um, in all of our channels. So while while we're giving them frequent advice and, and a kind of motivation and things like that, we, we do want them to support each other as well. Um, we also want to entertain them. Um so you know, as I was talking about earlier, we we kind of we want to nudge them back into the websites um to to look at Things that would entertain them, um, that would uh, give them proper advice about shoes, about gear, and um, motivate them with interview pieces. Um, and we've done things like um, Instagram lives and things like that to kind of draw in some audience in the evenings. Um, and it's kind of another, it's sort of like a, a sub channel of Instagram. Um, and that, that's gone down really well with our audience too. I think, I mean, ours, ours, we've tried to be because of the pandemic we we've tried to be at least digital equal if not digital first um our audience digitally and socially is far greater than we have in print um so we we know that we have um we, it's an important role to kind of keep all those people connected um and and engaged and i mean you know, our strategy now is to grow that audience while continuing to support them all um, through those various channels um, and to ensure that we continue to give them the best advice possible.
0: Another area um, moving on from diversity is different gender identities. And again, uh, this is something that you've celebrated Um and i wanted to to ask a bit more about that yeah i mean again it's i mean
1: i it is just sort of um as far as i'm concerned it's i mean it's fundamental to the brand that we you know we support all women to run um and you know that every single woman should be encouraged to embrace their fitness in whatever way they feel they want to do that and and i i think it's just what what I found, find kind of concerning, what I find, uh, the the thing I don't understand is other brands that don't support all women or all people to run, and I think, you know, it's not like we have to do that much to make people feel included, you know. Just, uh, the same when it comes to diversity in terms of race, a, a picture here or there really is no skin off our nose, you know. It's just it's not a big deal, but it's surprising how little other brands do in order to make people feel included. Why would you always only have pictures of couples that are heterosexual? Why, why would you do that? What's what's the point in just doing that? You know, why you know, every single image that we put in our magazine, every bit of content we look at ruthlessly to ensure that it's not going to be off-putting. We, we want it to be inclusive we want people to feel happy we want people to there are so many barriers that stop women from running that stop people from embracing fitness so many barriers you know social um racial uh, things to do with the way in which you were brought up things to do with school I mean if you only did team sports and you, you were always picked last then why on earth would you want to do anything as a grown-up that made you feel left out or rubbish or, or kind of the wrong size in some way or, or, you know. So why on earth would you do something that makes you feel as though you're not great? And um, what we want to do with a magazine is to make sure that every woman feels great. You know, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to reach a certain pace. You don't have to be a certain person. You don't have to be a particular kind of woman to be able to run everyone can do it um and I think it's our job fundamentally to encourage everyone
0: to run what a brilliant message um we've been through a a tremendously difficult year and you've talked about how that has accelerated change for you what are your goals over the next 12 months um world domination um (laughs) (laughs) no I don't know um
1: I mean we've got some i mean there's some really important stuff that we've got to do um you know as we're talking about we we need to keep on pushing um the diversity and inclusivity messaging um there's just so much work to do we know we've still got so much to do there um but i guess one of the main things right now is that we know that fitness and health are the one of the biggest weapons vaccine aside that we currently have have um right now in the fight against the pandemic so what we need to do is work with the industry to help support and encourage more people to move um and to enjoy that movement not beat themselves up about it um and then because if we persuade people to run they will then persuade other people to move and to adopt more healthier lifestyles um so you know i'm afraid basically if the government isn't going to do it then it's down to the rest of us to do what we can do to fight this pandemic and any future pandemics, unfortunately, um, by ensuring that people have access to the right advice and are motivated to bolstering their health um, so that we can stick two fingers up to COVID, essentially.
0: <laughs> Finally, outside of work, what do you do to relax? Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. Uh, I shout at my kids um, a lot. <laughs> um I think I think um don't we, we all yeah um evenings are, are pretty short after after kind of mm. you know wrestling them into bed um but you know that sort of time I think um, when I get half an hour or so then um at the moment I'm currently re-watching West Wing which is a massive indulgence and so I'm really enjoying that um and you know with a bar of green and black salted chocolate then that's that's all that's all to the good um but yeah in order to relax I also run surprisingly enough of course you Um, do yeah (laughs) yeah so um most days start with a bit of a run or a boot camp um but yeah the thing I look forward to the most I think um is probably the weekend long run um which is me and an audiobook um and probably a pair of trainers I have to test for the magazine and an hour to myself which is glorious um and then I come back and I shout at the kids a lot less and i i eat a second breakfast um so yeah so it's it's all good it's that basically
0: and justify that that bar of green and blacks yeah
1: totally yeah yes, although it doesn't yes. need to be justified <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no of course not and 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 out of interest what is a long run for you um it depends if i'm in
1: training um i at the moment i've come out of training so um maybe an hour um you know nothing nothing too too heavy um, nice and slow uh, yeah, I think that'll do me.
0: Esther Newman, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. We would like to thank Advantage CS again for sponsoring this podcast. Advantage CS has been developing subscription management solutions for the information industry since 1979. The comprehensive functionality, adaptability and scalability of its software helps leading publishers around the world manage their businesses more effectively. Find out more at advantagecs.com. Thanks to Esther for being our guest this time. If you want to find out more about women's running, visit women'srunning.co.uk or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Women'sRunninguk. If you want to know more about in publishing and catch up on previous episodes of the podcast, go to inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and please join us next time on the In Publishing Podcast.